0: Amen, and happy Easter, and I'm going to raise a hallelujah, you know. Just can't hardly stand it. Thank you, worship team. Goodness gracious. You know, we celebrate every Sunday as an Easter Sunday. That The Lord was raised on the first day of the week. That would be Sunday. So we have that opportunity. That's why our churches historically have, have had their services on Sunday. But there's something about the special one time out of the year when we are remembering and we're focusing on the power of God as expressed in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I want you to find in your copy of the Scripture this morning. Uh, they've brought me in a little earlier than usual in the in, in the worship flow of things, and I'm going to be be opening the Word. I hope with you this morning for a few minutes, and then we're going to come back. For another segment of worship, we're going to close this time out with some celebration, and it's it's not going to be we're going to get the preaching out of the way, and then we're going to come back in and do the worship. So so when I get through here in a little bit, don't don't walk out, don't leave, just hang around because there, it's going to get better. The preaching's just the downhill; it'll go uphill again after we get through. But we just feel that there's a sense a sense that, that the Lord would have us just to. Just to rear back and just make a run at celebrating him and rejoicing in who he is. Talking about the power of God, the power of God this morning. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Many of you can probably quote this just from your own heart and your own testimony. Here's what Paul says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the what? The power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because the gospel is the power of God. Would you say that back to me? The gospel is the power of God if we're looking to find demonstrations of or access into the power of God, Paul makes it very simple and very clear and very straightforward. The gospel is the power of God. Well, then the next question has to be, well, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? The meaning of the word gospel means good news, But good news within a context. Good news in the face of bad news. Good news in the face of bad news. When that is applied to Jesus Christ, the bad news is that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Everybody needs a Savior. The bad news is that the good news is Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. The good news is the message of Jesus Christ. But folks, got to tell you, the good news about Jesus is not what he taught. The good news about Jesus is not just the healings that he performed the miracles in nature, medically, physics that he performed. The good news, the best news is that he came to this earth for the specific purpose of taking your sins and my sins in his body when he went to Calvary's cross and to pay the price for your sins and my sins. Paul will say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, though the, the statements of it, the, the, the focus of it can seem to be so inconsequential. Here, here's, this, here's this unknown in a, in a worldwide sense, 33-year-old man who lived and taught in an obscure part of the world. But some way or another, when he died... He was dying for the sins of the human race. When he was buried, he was buried not even in his own tomb, not even in his own burial plot. It was a borrowed piece of ground. But then on Easter Sunday morning, he was raised from the grip of death. Death could not hold him. Time could not capture him in the sense that he was a man who lived And he was died, he died, and then there was no more to be spoken of him because he ceased to exist. The fact that he was raised from the dead proved that time couldn't capture him. He could not be just a footnote in somebody's history book. Because he was alive, he could live and continue to live and be everywhere all at the same time and move into. Our century and live in other centuries, making his presence known in the hearts of people who would seek him. Now, I want to ask you this question this morning. I got to get through this so we can get back to the worship. But this is important, and I can't, I got to get this out. Who in this room needs a touch of the power of God in your life? I'm not talking about the power of man though men, people, cultures, civilizations, societies can come up with amazing things, but they fade in comparison to God being able to do what man cannot do. For the Lord being able to do in you, in you, what people couldn't do for you, what you couldn't do for yourself. Paul says, I'm not talking about the power of people. I'm not talking about the power of personality. I'm talking about the power of God. And the power of God is to be found in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so what is that? That We gave you the definition of the word, that it is good news specifically in the face of bad news. It's especially good news because of the context of the bad news. But what is the good news? Will you find in your scripture, in your copy of the Word of God, 1 Corinthians, Paul is continuing to write. He's writing to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and here's what he says. If You want a definition of the working points of the gospel, the power of God to be found in the gospel. What is that? Now, I make known to you, brethren, 1 Corinthians 15, 1. The gospel which I preach to you, I'm making known to you the gospel which I preach to you. He preached in Corinth. He preached it in Ephesus. He preached it in Rome. He preached it in Athens. And the world was turned upside down as the truth of the gospel took root in the hearts of people, and the power of God was unleashed in the souls of people. Do you need the power of God to be unleashed in your soul today? Yes, we do. I make known to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you received, and this gospel in which you stand, by which also you were saved. You're saved by this gospel. Saved from what? Saved from the devil's clutches. Saved from the consequences of sin. Saved from an eternity away from God in a place called hell. Hell is the perfect vacuum of the goodness of God. Heaven is the perfect vacuum of the presence of Satan. Which place do you want to go? Which, which direction do you want your life to take so that when the end of days comes for you, you will end up at the place where you have decided down here? After death, it's too late. We make the choice now while we're alive, we're able to breathe and think and choose. And there is a choice. It's Jesus or it's not Jesus. And Paul makes it so very clear. The power of God... To save, to deliver, to forgive, to set free is found in this person of Jesus Christ. And so he says in verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance. This is not on down the list. This is not something maybe you'll get to if you have time for it. But he's saying this is first important. Christians, ones who would say we know the Lord, these truths are to be of first importance. Which, that which also I received, and it was this, that Christ, principle number one, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He was raised again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he appeared, appeared alive from the grave. He appeared to Cephas or Simon Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 persons at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Some have already gone to heaven. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as it were, to one untimely born, He, he appeared to me also, for I am the least of the apostles. We am not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by, you know, we ought to just stand up in the pews and shout with Paul this next line, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. A persecutor of the church, unworthy to be numbered among the apostles, but he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove in vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. I delivered to you as of first importance that which also I received. If somebody asks you, what is the gospel? Somebody asks you, how do you get from Bear County to heaven? If somebody asks you, what is it that you need to believe about Jesus that's so important? three things. Number one, Jesus Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. Number two, he was buried. He was buried as a dead man. He was buried. The wages of sin is death. Jesus completely died in a natural sense. That's important. Because what that's tied to is, The law of God being satisfied, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If Jesus had not completely died, then he would not have been able to completely pay the price for your sins and mine. The wages of sin is death. He was crucified according to the scriptures, he was buried, but then he was raised again on the third day according to the scriptures. Why is that so important? It is incredibly indescribably important because Paul will say in Romans, Romans chapter 3, that it, it, he, was, he, was, he was given up for our transgressions. He was, he was given to death for our transgressions, but he was raised because of our justification. Now that's a long word, but what does it mean? It means that God saw, the Father saw in what the Son had done, that His sacrifice was complete enough, it was thorough enough, it was strong enough to satisfy the law of God. And as a result of that, that God's wrath being satisfied against our sin. Instead of us having to pay the price with our own lives and our death, Jesus took our place. And as a result of that complete satisfying of what we would be guilty of in the face of God, the Father looked at that dead body and said, as the the song that used to be sung around here, Arise, my love. Arise, my love. Death no longer has its hold on you. Jesus Christ satisfied the demand of the law against us when he took in his body our sins, as Peter would say, and went to the cross. Now, folks, here, here's this I don't mean for this to sound overly simplistic, but just stay with me for a minute. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, But to as many as received him, as received what Jesus did for them. To these he gave the right to be called the children of God. That means that your mother can't choose Jesus for you. That your family line, though they were born in a baptistry, (laughs) is not enough for the power of God to save you, to save me, to be conveyed. It is... That you must choose. You must choose Jesus. That Jesus died on the cross for your sins. That he was buried. And that he was raised again on the third day because the Father was satisfied with what Jesus did to and with your sins. You walk down the bread aisle at your H-E-B. And I'm telling you, they got all kinds of types of bread. My personal favorite, in case you're interested, is the H-E-B homegrown 12-grain variety. You can just eat it without peanut butter on it. It's amazingly good and amazingly satisfying. But you can walk down that row. They got tortillas on this side, they got muffins on this side, they got, they got, whatever, and then they got all the bread over here. You can walk down there hungry, you can walk down there with an imagination of how good that bread would be toasted and how good that blackberry jelly would be on top of that. You can walk through there with all of those eyes of imagining how wonderful it'd be, but until you take your, your, your hand out and you take hold of a loaf of one of those loaves of bread, all of the good that H-E-B would want to provide for you is of no effect until you pick it up, put it in your basket, pay for it, take it home, and then buy You can sit in a church all your born days. You can know all the songs of the church. Know all the people in the church. Oh, goodness. But all of this about the power of God is of no count unless you, as a recognized and owning it all, guilty sinner, Reach out and with your heart take hold of what Jesus the Christ did on the cross for you. That Paul is saying, Power of God, Power of God, Power of God, Power of God, in that act. So, what's so powerful? About forgiveness. If that is what accomplishes forgiveness, I'll tell you. It's the difference between somebody who has known a life of crushing moral failure. Or or the or the extended sapping of strength, of habits, or memories. Actions that won't leave. Memories that won't go away. And because they stay there and because they haunt and because they chase and pursue and try to stifle your life, so often we then are pushed into other wrong choices that can not only defame and even destroy our bodies, but it hurts people we love because of the the power of guilt, the power of shame, the power of an unforgiven heart. <laughs> but, oh folks, you take that same person and it drops 18 inches that in God's sight, I don't have to pay for what I have. As far as the Lord is concerned, he has established a substitute for me. Who would not do something just in like kind, but that he would do something with the substance of the stain of my own sin and wrong. Jesus was called out to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Friday night in our Good Friday evening service, we talked about how the plan in Leviticus, the plan of the law of Moses, was that someone who recognized that he or she had sinned, there was guilt in their hearts. To be forgiven, they would need to bring a sin offering. The sin offering could be a lamb, a kid goat, could be a bullock, the very poor, a dove. But the one guilty... Wanting to be forgiven. Wanting to be free of the sin and the shame and the guilt. Would bring that animal, that lamb, bring it to the priest. And under the old covenant before Jesus came as the fulfillment of all of those prophecies of animals being sacrificed as sin offerings, what the guilty one would do would take his or her hand, place his hand, her hand, on the head of the lamb. And the priest would take a knife and slit the throat of the lamb. And as the lamb was dying, the one who was guilty and in effect causing the death of the lamb would have to stay there. And the rabbis would, would incur, lean into as if putting trust in, putting trust in the substitute for my sin. Also conveyed is this important sense of the one guilty transferring his sin. Transferring his sin and the guilt of his sin or her sin onto this animal. And as the animal was dying, was bleeding and dying, the one who understood, I caused that innocent animal's death by the choices that I have made. But in God's plan for me not to have to die, but for there to be a substitute, I by faith transfer my sin and the punishment of my sin to that animal. Oh, goodness, Again and again and again in your New Testament, the writers appeal to the merit of the shed blood of Jesus to set the captives free. It is because He died for you, it is because His blood was poured out for you, that the power of God to forgive. The power of God to cleanse and set free can flow into your life. I'm talking to somebody this morning who's ready for that. I'm talking to somebody, you've heard enough sermons, sung enough songs, been around enough people that you don't need another sermon. You just need the encouragement. Say it to him. Say it to him. Jesus, I receive you. Jesus Christ I receive your death for me as my forgiveness for sin. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. You paid the price with your life. And Jesus, the best I can, I believe that you were raised from the dead. I believe, I believe that time couldn't hold you, that Satan couldn't hold you, that sin couldn't hold you. Oh, goodness, folks, listen. Because what happens then is he's alive. You've trusted him as Savior, as your Savior. Saving you from what? From the death that your sins require to be paid. The wages of sin is that. We live in a culture Well, it's not this bad. It's not that bad. We change the standards in the Scripture to me. be as if they're nothing. They are not nothing. They are everything. We won't be answering to a Supreme Court down here. We won't be answering to the cultural elite. We'll answer to him. He is the same and He changes not. But as He changes not, neither does His mercy change. So where we're guilty, where we have failed Him, but we come to Jesus and His death on the cross and we receive by faith what Jesus did for me. There is a transferring of the forgiveness in the heart of God into me through faith in what Jesus has done. And then there also comes to be folks. As Jesus spoke to Nicodemus, that religious leader, there's only one thing wrong with you, Nicodemus. (laughs) You just need to be born again. Born all over again. The power of God to take a 50 year old man or a 35 year old woman or an 85 year old senior adult and cause that one from the inside out to be born all over again. You say, well, what's the significance of that? Here it is He changes you want to. The new life in Christ has the power to change the desires, the want-tos. I call it want to My problem is not that we don't know what to do. It's just that we don't want to do it. But what happens when in the thoroughness of God's love for you and His passion to bring you close to Himself and keep you in fellowship with Him, He knows He's got to do that work of retooling I want to. So that it used to be that you didn't see how you could live without that. Or without this. Or without some other thing. You come to Christ. You give Him your sin. We give Him our guilt. He's the Savior. That's what He does. He says we're all sinners. And He calls us unto Himself. We transfer to Him our sin. We receive the effect of His forgiveness of those sins and the breaking of the power of sin to control us. And then He, because He's alive, can now move inside your chest. Off the cross, out of the tomb, alive and moving into people's hearts, souls. I call it your chest. You say, Oh, well, I know the Lord, I know the Lord, I know the Lord, I know the Lord. Well, if you know the Lord, and He is the one who spoke the Son into existence, He's the creator of the universe, and He's alive in you, how can you not know that He's there? Well, I sing the songs. I got a marked up Bible. I, I give God. I'm not talking about that. It's Christ in you. Paul would say that is your hope of glory. I believe that this message of power, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Some would say, Paul, you need to be ashamed of that because it's too simplistic. Smart people aren't going to get it. Jesus would say, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Where there is a poverty of spirit, where there is a sense of loss, where there is a sense of hurt, where there is a sense of need, then what Jesus offers sounds real good. But if you're stuffed like a Thanksgiving turkey on how good you are and how much you've done and how great you are, then the message of Jesus will mean nothing until the dam breaks one day and we realize we need Him. I'm telling you, I'm talking to some folks today somewhere in our streaming family Maybe even in this room. And you're saying, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to receive Jesus. I need His power to forgive me. I need His presence to change me. I receive Jesus. I receive you, Jesus. You're not going to get it by way of a preacher. You're not going to get it by way of joining a church. You get it by way of going straight to Him. Wherever you are today, and we're going to do something that we hadn't done in a while, but I feel like we're supposed to this morning. We're going to have just an old-fashioned, old-school altar call. If you're in this room this morning and there's a great big yes in your heart, that's what I need. I need the power of Jesus and the mercy of Jesus alive in my heart. I'm going to ask you to get up from wherever you're seated. Come by yourself or come with the person who brought you. doesn't matter. Prayer partners, I want you to get up right now. Prayer partners, and come this way. And take your places. And as you folks come, and what you're saying is, I need him. I want Jesus in my life now. I'm not walking down that bread aisle one more time without taking the bread of life. I'm not leaving here without the bread of life. Then you come down here, we'll pray with you. We're not the conveyors of salvation, but we can agree with you in the approach to the one who will give that sense of forgiveness, and freedom and life, okay? Now the second group I wanna to ask to come, so that we can pray with you. It's those of you who, as you have heard this this morning, your heart is going out to ones you know and love who need the power of God to save them, to change them. There's not really anything more that you can say you feel like. You love them. But I want you to go on record. Join me in going on record today with the ones you love to come down here and to pray for them but we don't have to know their names you know their names but that we would speak we would call out Lord visit them visit them with your power visit them with your mercy visit them with your love Lord I don't want to go to heaven without them heaven would be an empty place in a sense if these I love are not there too. but there's only one way from Bear County to glory and it's just as we've talked about Power of God in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I ask you to do now in the hearts of your people and those who are listening whatever you want to do. I pray for the ones watching and part of our streaming family that they'd just say it out loud. I receive you, Jesus. I receive you, Jesus. I receive you, Jesus. You died on the cross for me. You were buried. I'm believing that you were raised on the third day, and you're coming to live inside me. Confess him, declare it, speak the gospel, and the power of God is activated. Would you stand with me? Those of you who are here in the room, and just start making your way. Either you're ready to say, and you have said it, but you're speaking it going on record on a day. You can look on your, this is when I did it, Lord. never before I'm confessing you as my Savior and my Lord we want to agree with you and rejoice with you in that but also carry in your heart the burdens of the ones that you know and care about and love right now who don't know Him and if they died today heaven would not be their home the Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repent You can't make the judgment. They're too far gone. They're too lost. It's too bad. It's too awful. Too many stories of the Lord rescuing ones that the world may have given up on, but in his heart, he hadn't. Carry them. Let's come forward. Let's make it this Easter Sunday when we're driving a stake down. Lord, I'm asking you. To save my son. I'm asking you to save my daughter. I'm asking you to save this one, Allah. Now, as we are engaged in this, and you're obeying the prompting of the Lord in your heart, we'll be here for just a couple of moments. But you don't need to leave after this. There's another whole segment of wonderful worship that ties in with what this preacher's been hollering about. For these minutes, we're celebrating the greatness of His goodness and His power to change your heart and keep a heart changed. We want to leave here celebrating. So you do now as the Lord is leading you to do. Come and let us pray with you. And then stay in your place as we continue the worship. Do as He directs. God bless you.